Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. First of all, we'd like to say Chodesh Tov to everyone that is here and of course everyone that is listening in as well. Uh, we should be zocheh and merit to have not just a successful month, but a month full of biracha, full of joy, full of happiness. And of course, because it's Kislev, a month, Be'ezat Hashem, full of light. Okay? Hashem should bless us with all the berachot, akituvot, Torah, and we should be zocheh Be'ezat Hashem to see the coming of Mashiach. Amen. Breakfast today is sponsored by none other than the Rosh Chodesh man himself, Yaakov Shirazi, on the occasion of Rosh Chodesh Kislev, La'aslacha Bakomiko Kol, for success in everything. Everyone tries to sponsor the day of Rosh Chodesh, but they struggle because Yaakov Shirazi thinks about it months in advance. He's already celebrating, he's already celebrating and donating the Rosh Chodesh breakfast. So, Hazaku Baruch Yaakov, uh, for all of your uh, warmth with regards to the special mitzvah of uh, Rosh Chodesh Kislev. I'd like to speak about something which I think is very, 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 very powerful. In the Torah this week, we read about these two brothers, uh, Yaakov and Esav. And Yaakov and Esav do the first business deal. Now, if you ever thought uh, that Jewish people were good businessmen, you got to look at this week's parasha to find the best example of it. Esav has something which is priceless. He's the Bechor. He's supposed to get the blessings of Yitzhak Avinu. Comes along Yaakov, and for literally peanuts, he buys it off of him. He walks in, he's starving, he's exhausted, he's committed all these terrible sins on the day of the funeral of Avraham Avinu. He walks in and Yaakov is preparing Nezid Adashim, a stew, a, a lentil stew, right, with the beans, legumes in it, whatever. Esav says, Give me from this red stew. He doesn't even know what it is. He doesn't look what it is. He said, give me the red thing. Give me some of the red stuff. Uh, Yaakov says, okay, no problem. You desperately uh, want this dish that I've made. Why don't we create a, make a business deal? What's a business deal? I buy your bechora, And he sells him the bechora for what? For a little stew, a little red stew that's here today, gone tomorrow. From the very first, from the beginning of time, we find this example of the fact that someone could sell something incredibly important for nothing at all. I look at this story and I, it reminds me of an interesting story that happened recently. <clears throat> There's a man, his name is Michael Steinharder. Michael Stein, excuse me, Michael Steinhardt. Michael Steinhardt. Michael Steinhardt um, began, started a, uh, a wave, which I think now hundreds of thousands of people have merited to go to Eretz Israel. Through that, they wind up discovering their heritage, they wind up uh, discovering Shabbat, they wind up discovering what it means on some level to be Jewish, and of course every person to one level or another engages to whatever degree they would like to. Could you imagine the reward, the sakhar, that such a person has? If you teach one person Torah, and that person then marries someone Jewish, that person has a Jewish family, they have Jewish children, every word of Torah, every Amen that they say to Kaddish, every Biracha, that Biracha is tallied, whose Zichut does that go to? The person that shifted uh, that person onto the path. So you can imagine someone that has hundreds of thousands of people that have made positive movements in their life. One day, at breakfast, he meets a fellow whose name is David Lichtenstein. David Lichtenstein is a very interesting businessman who has an interesting podcast called Headlines. He discusses all different interesting ideas in halakha. 
He meets him at the breakfast table. So David Lichtenstein says, you know, I, I envy you, your portion in Olam Haba. I wish I could have your portion in Olam Haba. What have you done? What you've achieved? And Mr. Steinhardt says to Mr. Lichtenstein, he says, you know what? You shouldn't envy me. I don't believe in Olam Haba. So Lichtenstein says to Steinhardt, okay, if you don't believe in Olam Haba, have I got a deal for you? I will give you $100,000 and in order to purchase the Olam Haba that you have from birthright. Steinhardt doesn't think. He says, no problem. You got it. He writes down on a piece of paper, I, Michael Steinhardt, hereby, whatever, give you the whole portion of Olam Haba for the sum of $100,000. Lichtenstein writes out a check. The deal is done. Sold his portion in Olam Haba for birthright for 100000 True story. I could send you the video where you see Lichtenstein telling the story over himself. That's not the interesting part of the story. You ready for the interesting part of the story? So Lichtenstein is telling over the story how he bought this priceless Olam Haba for 100000 And then he says, I told something that ruined Steinhardt's day. Because the next morning, uh, after all of this takes place, Steinhardt comes back to Lichtenstein and he says, look, I feel bad that I ripped you off, Yanni, you know, with $100,000. He says, if you want to go back on the deal, he says, uh, I don't, you know, I'm happy to give you your money back. Like, Hazi, I feel bad for you. Lichtenstein says to him something, he says, that ruins Steinhardt's day. He said, you're a trader, right? He says, yes. He says, if you want to buy back your Olam Abba now, he says, I'm going to have to go get it appraised. <laughs> he says it's going to cost you a lot more than the hundred thousand. And by the way, he says, and this is how I, he says he ruined Steinhardt's day. He says I would have paid you a million for it. Huh. End of the story, from this part, from this perspective. Interesting thing: Steinhardt is speaking to a bunch of people in his uh, in his office or in his whatever, and he says to them, "Listen to this dib." So here's Lichtenstein telling you. Listen, what a muppet. I bought his Olam Abba for 100000 Steinhardt sitting in another room telling all these people, what a muppet. I sold him nothing for $100,000. Rabotai, this is what happened in the story of Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov bought the Bechorah for what? For the Nizid Anashim. And all of us are sitting here shaking our heads. What a dip. What an amazing business personality that he, he, he bought so much for so little. In another room, Esav is saying, what an idiot this guy gave me his lunch for nothing. Could you understand this? Rabotai, but this is not just about purchasing or selling Olam Abba. It's about the tiny things that have tremendous price. Let me explain what I mean by that. When something really small has a very, very big price, okay? I want you to imagine a scenario where a person's in a Bet Knesset and the guy turns around and he says to this guy sitting next to him he says uh, Mehila you can't sit here this this place over here is only is reserved for people who come to our synagogue you're not from here you can't really say go sit over there in the back this is for the regulars it's one line it was very cheap but he humiliated him in public when a person says la shonara about somebody else, the Hafez Haim says, all of your merits 
transferred to him, and all of his sins transferred to you. What a tiny price to pay that winds up being such an expensive deal for you. Rabotai, unfortunately, that is the case so often with what we've done, how tiny things can have a tremendous price tag. In fact, the month that we are in today, is the name of the month is Kis Lev. This is really two words. The word Kis, Chaf, Samech, means to cover something up. It can mean a pocket, because in a pocket, you put something in a pocket, it's covered. Vayichas means, and he covered. That's Vayichas. Vayichas means, and he covered. Yuvav, Yud, Chaf, Samech. He covered. The word Kes means to cover. Kiyad al Keska, as we say as well. There it means a chair, but also Chazal tells us it means to cover something over. Kis Lev means to cover over. Lamidvav for him. I once heard a very powerful idea about this. What does it mean, kiss law, covering up for him? The miracle of Hanukkah happens during this month. Why? Also for the same concept. That the, the, uh, the Kohen Gadol had taken these precious bottles of oil and he'd covered them up. They'd hid, they'd hid them. They did them with a tremendous level of dedication. They made them extra special. It was the, the finest oil that one could do. We'll talk more about that on Hanukkah. And he covered that over. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu took something that they had covered. He covered it with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And ultimately it became something that the Kohanim were able to have as a merit. The Hashmonaim Kohanim. They were able to have as a merit for their tribe by saving all of the Jewish people through that which they had covered, through the extra seal of the Kohen Gadol. But I think that there's something else here as well. We are told that in every single generation, the generation is sustained through the merit of whom? 36 hidden tzaddikim. The Lamed Vav Tzaddikim Nistarim. They call them, in Yiddish they say, Lamed Vavniks. The 36 hidden tzaddikim that nobody knows about. I thought to myself also, Kas Lamed Vav is Kislev, is the hidden 36 tzaddikim. But I think that the idea of 36 tzaddikim is something which maybe is not as relevant today as it once was. Rav Yisrael Salanta said that in our generation, a tzaddik that is hidden is not a tzaddik. Because in a generation that needs leadership so badly, if the person could hide himself, then it cannot be that he's a tzaddik. In words, I could never say that from Rav Yisrael Salanta. So in today's day and age, who takes on this mantle of the 36 hidden tzaddikim that support the whole world? if you can't be a hidden tzaddik in our generation. And I think that there's something over here which is magnificent. The idea is that every single person could take one element of the tzaddik. And let me explain what that means. I wish that one day I should be called a tzaddik. I'm for sure not one. I'm not even close. But one day, I hope, with a lot of hard work, I hope to get there to be called a tzaddik. But there's certain things that I do well and certain things that I struggle with, like everybody else. Everybody's a tzaddik in something. One person is very careful with the way he speaks because he's Adami guy, he's very sweet, he's very nice, never wants to hurt anybody. He never would say something bad about somebody, but he likes money a little too much. So he's willing to cut corners. You have another guy who was raised by his father, not a single cent out of place. They were raised as accountants. Even when his father gave him a kiss, he logged it in a book. 
Okay? Everything is measured. Everything is an exact number. I gave each person 12 kisses this year. You got your quota. Mehila, no more kisses for you. Okay? You have certain people, that's how they're raised. But that guy, he has loose lips. You have somebody else. Maybe they have extra special care, for, care with the laws of, uh, of modesty. You have another person, extra special being an anav. Another person, extra special kosher. You don't even understand. I once met a guy who was a taxi driver. I asked him to return something to the only, at the time, only kosher restaurant, Mehadrin in Eilat. It was called Hallelujahs, aptly named. Okay? There's one restaurant that was Mahadrin. I said to him, please, I have this hot plate. Would you mind, after you drop me off, I'll pay you extra. Drop it off. He says, I don't know where this restaurant is. I said, I'm sure you must know where it is. It's the only super kosher restaurant in Eilat. Probably, I thought all the religious people would go there, you know, so you'd know where it is. So he says to me, he goes, he goes, I don't eat in restaurants. I said, oh, you like the home-cooked food, right? You like the home-cooked food. He goes, no, no, not because of that. He goes, outside of my house, how do I know if something's really kosher? How do I know which hashkacha it is, he says to me. This is a guy who's not wearing a kippah. This is a guy whose shirt is open halfway to his belly, no tzitzit. Okay? He's more strict about kosher than me and I'm a rabbi. You hear? You have people that they, there's a special mitzvah that they have. I think in our generation, where a leader cannot hide, we have to divvy up all of the mitzvot that would have made up the Lamed Vav Sadiqim amongst all the people. And that becomes the hidden Lamed Vav Sadiqim and the mitzvot that you do so well, they sustain the entire earth. The Gemara in Kiddushin tells us something remarkable about the small price, the small thing that has a big price tag. The Gemara says, Le'olam yir'eh adam et asmo. A person should always see himself as if he is chetzio hayav, chetzio zakai. Half full of averot, half full of mitzvot. Asam mitzvah achat. He does one mitzvah. Hechriya et asmo. He's pushed himself to which side? Sadiqim, he's now 51% good. One Avera, what happens? He pushes himself to the side of Rasha, the book of uh, death, etc., etc., all the problems. But then the Gemara continues. And then the Gemara says something which I tell you sometimes makes me shake. The Gemara says, it follows up this statement. And also, eternally, always, a person should see... It called Ha'olam Kulo, the whole world, as if it is Chetzio Chayav Vechetzio Zakai. Half of the world is good, half of the world is bad, half of the deeds in this world are misvot, half of the deeds are averot. Asa misvah ahat, you did one misvah. Hechria et kol Ha'olam Kulo lekafzichut. A person's going to get to Shamaim. And Hashem's going to say, here's your Olam Abba, and gonna, you're going to need 900 Tesla Cybertrucks to drag all of your Sakhar to Olam Ha'emet. And you're going to say, what is this for? And Hashem's going to say, you know what this is for? This is for Maya Maharonim, that one time you were at a restaurant. And you're going to say, all this for Maya Maharonim? What about the time when I uh, saved this person with Tzedakah? Hashem's going to say, that's great, and I gave you a reward for that. But this Maya Maharonim happened when the world was exactly 50%, 50%. And this tiny mitzvah, it allowed the entire world to carry on existing. 
It allowed me to give rain to the world, to not have famine, to delay war. You know how many lives were saved? How many people's parnasah? How many people with kids went to school? Shiduchim, babies, etc. Because of this mayim achronim. Do you understand what that means? That is the power, the, the power of not following in Esav's ways. Where Esav says, I'm hungry. Chalas, give me some red stuff. That red stuff cost him eternal life. Rabotai, that's how the world works. One sentence out of your mouth, one embarrassing comment, you could lose everything, all your ulama abat switches to somebody else. One line that is positive, that turns a person's life around, unbelievable. That is the power. I want to share one last idea from the Mishnah in Avot, and with this we'll end. The Mishnah in Avot says, a person, heve mehashev, Sechar keneged. We need to learn You should be able to finish that like tefillah. Keneged. A person should fit, should weigh up the reward of the mitzvah against losing the mitzvah, and the hefsed of the avera against sicharad against the merit of of keeping it. In either scenario, we look at the plus versus the minus, and the minus versus the plus. Listen to this. On this, the problem is, the Mishnah continues and says, why? Because nobody knows the power and the merit of any misvah. Yes, the commentaries, the beginning of the Mishnah contradicts the end of the Mishnah. The beginning of the Mishnah says, weigh up the value of a mitzvah against the loss of that mitzvah. Weigh up the punishment of Avon against, but then the end of the Mishnah says, and you don't know what the reward is. How could those two things both be true? And I think, I have this many interpretations, many answers, but I think my answer, according to, to what we've discussed today is, that's what the Mishnah is saying. Because because you don't know, weigh carefully. As an example, if you have an old tape recorder, it's sitting in front of you, you push a button, because you know what? Who knows what this button does? Imagine you're the President of the United States. You open a hidden door off of one of the bedrooms, you walk in, and you see there's a spotlight. And the spotlight is on a pedestal. And on top of the pedestal is a big red button, and it's covered in glass. You're gonna take off the glass and push the red button just to see what it does? (laughs) Who knows, you might just blow up Iran. You understand? You hear what I'm saying? It, 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 if that's what the Mishnah means, it's not a contradiction at all. Says the Mishnah, you, you often have no idea what your Mishnah is going to do. So, go and do, go and do some sort of reckoning, of calculation. Should I not do this Mishnah? Well, normally, how would you figure that out? I'd figure out what the cost-benefit analysis would be. But since you can never know, since maybe this is Kislev, this is the hidden acts of someone who's making up for the 36 Sadiqim. Because maybe this is the act that's Machriya et Kola Ulam Kulo Zechut. How could you take the risk of not doing the Misvah? How could you take the risk of doing the Avon? That is the power that we have 
with the tiniest of mitzvot and staying away from the tiniest of averot. Rabbi Wutai, may God bless us this month with the light of mitzvot of Tamut Torah and of becoming always better day by day than we were the day before. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.